Welcome to the Pulse Podcast, personal conversations about life, leadership, and legacy with inspiring founders, entrepreneurs, and leaders of industry. I am R. Adam Smith, founder of Wisdom Board. I am pleased to host this podcast episode. Wisdom Board is a fast-growing digital leadership platform powered by curated content, blue chip services, valuable human capital resources, and an expansive expert network. Wisdom Board is dedicated to empowering excellence for private companies at the board level. Today, we are joined by Kara Golden, the founder and CEO of Hint Inc., a terrific company founded in 2005. Kara, welcome to the Wisdom Board Pulse podcast. Thanks for having me. Kara, it's so nice to have you on this program. You're an inspiring force for many entrepreneurs, founders, women, and across the consumer category. You've trailblazed a great deal from the first moment of getting the product on the shelves at Whole Foods, and now it's a several hundred million dollar enterprise, uh, all beginning from when you were having your first job at a store at 14 years old. Tell us about your story. Yeah, the toy story was uh, age 14, primarily because my mom used to go into fabric stores and spend way too much time there. And there just happened to be a toy store next door to the fabric store in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I grew up. And so uh, I started going in there just to kill time. And all of a sudden, they offered me a job to do the cash register. I mean, who wouldn't want a job doing a cash register at age 14? And they were going to pay me to do it. And uh, so I did that and learned actually a lot about margins and markups along the way and about what sells and that having more wasn't necessarily better. And so lots of really, really early kind of learnings along the way. But I was getting pulled to go to the toy fairs with uh, my first boss. But that soon led to other roles along the way. And I graduated from school and decided that I wanted to get into journalism and moved to New York City and ended up working at Time Magazine. After a few years there, I was recruited out to go and work for sort of a late stage startup, although we didn't call it that back then. That was CNN, actually. And it was, um, you know, before cable was sort of part of your package, right? It was uh, Ted Turner was still running around the office. And then I moved to uh, San Francisco. And that's where I had my first taste of a startup just in general. And I had been following this guy, Steve Jobs, who I thought was just super cool and worked at this technology company uh, called Apple. And there was an idea inside of Apple that had been spun out of Apple called uh, Two Market that was a CD-ROM shopping company. And I was just curious and wanted to know more about it. And I didn't know anyone in San Francisco. So I cold called the guys that had worked at Apple who were running this company. And they said, come on down and we'll go grab lunch. And they were super uh, excited about my background. I don't even think it mattered what I did, but the idea that I had worked for Time and CNN and brands that they knew. And so I suddenly I got this offer to run this thing called business development for five you know, five guys working at Two Market, and they needed somebody who would go out to retailers and try and build a business model and had no idea what I was doing. But I thought, I mean, I get to go out to retailers like The Gap and J. Crew, And I mean, what a cool job. And 
suddenly they gave me this thing. I remember getting my contract called equity. I didn't even know what equity was, but I thought, okay, I don't really have to worry about it right now. And then America Online came and acquired us and asked me to run all of the business development for this thing called e-commerce and shopping. Nobody really thought it was actually going to be a revenue stream. Very early, uh, you know, 95, 96, I mean, many stories, including helping Jeff Bezos build a bookshelf up at Amazon when it was just a bookstore. I mean, a crazy, crazy journey along the way. You were pretty early on in the uh, internet then because back then AOL still had that silly sound and uh, people were trying to navigate their email waiting minutes or hours for downloads, um, not to mention back in the days of Netscape when the, the browser was really quite pioneering. So there was those, those sounds and uh, quite frustrating in the old days, but we didn't know any better, right? Right. You've got mail and learning, you know, in the days of ICQ, which truly is texting today. And anyway, so that was a really, really exciting time and learned a lot of lessons, including things like ideas can come from anywhere. It didn't matter what your educational background was or what your role was on on paper. It really was, you know, anybody can contribute and just the creativity and the curiosity was welcome. After seven years at AOL and, uh, you know, I felt really grateful and fortunate that I was able to uh, kind of get this role in the first place. I didn't necessarily feel qualified to do it, but it was a billion dollars in revenue to America Online. I decided to take a few years off. I had three kids back in San Francisco where I lived, and uh, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. I thought, naturally, I'm living in the Bay Area. I can get a job in tech, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do okay. 2.0 of America Online, what I really wanted to do was do something that had kind of purpose and, and that I was excited about. And I wasn't in a rush to to do it either because I had three kids under the age of four and I thought, you know, it's okay to take some time off. I saw that your husband uh, or fiance at the time, Theo, uh, was at Netscape and back in those days. Uh, that was quite a pioneering uh, company and browser and with, with uh, founder uh, Andreessen is incredible. So you guys were quite busy at the time, I'm sure. Yeah, so he was the first intellectual property attorney at Netscape. And um, we both sort of rode this wave. And now I look back on that time as, you know, truly a hockey stick for both of our companies. And that's when I, you know, really started soul searching and trying to decide, okay, do I want to get into tech? Do I want to stay in? Do I want to go further into tech? What else do I want to do? And in the meantime, I had gained a bunch of weight. I had developed terrible adult acne, which I didn't even have as a teenager. And uh, my energy levels had gone down, which I was never, you know, this person that needed to take a nap in the afternoon. And that's when I really started looking at my own personal health. And it was something that mattered to me. It mattered to me not only as, you know, a human, but also as a parent. And I had these young kids. And that's when I um, started looking at everything that I was eating. I tried different diet plans for the first time in my life. And I thought, gosh, it's really hard to get healthy and it's confusing. And all of these things that I was, you know, seeing, frankly, for the first time that I hadn't paid attention to. We've been investing in consumer and beverages for years. And back then there weren't that many pioneering 
beverage concepts after smart water, vitamin water, and most of them were still sugar and not, not really into the wellness category, except for maybe honest tea and a few others. You were quite early then. Yeah. And, and I felt like I, as a consumer, I was seeing a lot of healthy perception versus healthy reality. But when I would even share this sort of big thought with people, they would say, what do you mean vitamin water isn't healthy? And, you know, so I was way ahead of even what, you know, forget about the industry, because I wasn't in the industry. I didn't really know people in the industry. But my friends and my family, they would sort of look at me and they'd say, oh, okay, well, what do you think of Google? You know, and I mean, it just wasn't the topic, right, that that anybody really wanted to have with me, but I was just so curious about it. And so one day I looked down at my counter and I had this Diet Coke that I'd been drinking for years. And I started looking at the label that happened to be uh, the, the ingredients were facing me. And I thought, gosh, everybody focuses on food and food and exercise are sort of the things that everybody talks about around health. And I thought, I don't know, like drinks, there's a lot of things in there that I don't really understand. And so just as a test, I thought I'm going to put my Diet Coke to the side and see what will happen. And I started drinking water. I realized that I knew I should drink more water. I grew up in Arizona where, you know, it gets hot. You should be drinking water. But I never did because I thought water was boring. And so I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water just for taste and what was interesting is in two and a half weeks, I lost over 20 pounds, my skin cleared up, and my energy levels were back. And wow, it wasn't the best two weeks of my life, but it wasn't the worst. And I thought, gosh, why aren't more people talking about this? This this whole industry, not only the diet industry, but also the soda industry and sort of the healthy perception versus healthy reality industry that exists in food as well. And also just for our listeners, uh, in case you're not aware, it's not so great for you to have a large amounts of diet Pepsi or Diet Coke and the saccharin that's in those sodas. Uh, so these days, it's great to to have an opportunity to, to have a whole range of choices of Hint and other wellness products instead of carbonated soda. What I, w- what I realized is that, I mean, I, had, I, I drank way back when, when saccharin was kind of out there. I drank that. I drank NutraSweet and all the Splenda and all the sure. various ones. And what I was realizing was that I was drinking diet. And I felt somewhere along the way that I had been tricked into believing that diet was healthier than it was. And, you know, I didn't even realize back then when I know now that I was kind of an early test case back in the 80s for Diet Coke. My mom was a tab drinker. And of course, I wasn't going to drink tab because that was my mom's drink. But I started drinking Diet Coke and thinking I was actually doing better. I was uh, I was living this way for like a year, and people would notice that I, you know, definitely had gotten healthier. I was also interviewing for different tech roles, and you know, a lot of these people would ask me what I had been doing, and I, you know, I sort of naturally brought up that I had, you know, really been taking the time to get healthier, and I had these young kids, and. I would share my story with people and they would be interested just because they thought, again, they didn't know that much about the industry, but they said, wow. You were so early and you made them pay attention, right? And they were paying attention. And so 
that's when I thought one day when I was shopping at this brand new store, Whole Foods, I walked in and I don't know, it just came out of my mouth. I asked the guy that was stocking the shelves, I said, how do I get a product on the shelf here? And he said, well, you have to have a bottle and a label or a can or it was at that moment when I just realized that I was just really engaged that I thought you wanted to just go do it right yeah that I should just go do it and I knew nothing about beverages other than the fact that I was a consumer. My my dad, uh, early on, had developed a product inside of a large company, uh, a large company, ConAgra, but the product was called Healthy Choice. And so I had uh, been around uh, food, but never thought that I would actually go and start a beverage company or a healthy CPG company, uh, but it was my own curiosity and how it affected my life, I think, that allowed me to kind of go back to maybe, you know, back down to the bottom or however you want to think about it. Like I was just super engaged. I mean, here I had been at AOL. I had risen pretty quickly to the top. I was one of the youngest vice presidents at AOL. I was one of the few females at that level. I think that was Stephen Case's era, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was just, you know, it was interesting to me because I just, I don't know, I, I think about this a lot, being in sort of C-suite executives often don't actually, your your job is not to learn. Your job is to manage and teach, and which is fine. To inspire and coach. Right. And I, which is fine, but I also felt that I had a lot to learn and that was where my head was, but I couldn't articulate it back then. And anyway, when I ran into kind of this problem I had in my own life, that's when I thought, gosh, I have not only identified that there's this problem, but I also have an idea on how to solve it because I had solved it for myself. And Every day I, you know, felt a little uncomfortable. I had fears that this wouldn't work out so well. But I, I think people were more stressed out for me, saying things to me like, you know, why are you doing this? I mean, you could go and get a job at Google or go do a lot of other things. And I kept thinking to myself and something that I share with people even today is that if you actually think that you did great work and something pretty remarkable before actually veering a little bit and going and testing your abilities and and where it is not such a bad thing. I thought at the worst case scenario, I could go back to, I'd be a great dinner party guest saying, I you know went a little crazy for a couple of years and here's what I went and did. And people would say, really, that's really interesting. And you'd learn not only a lot about an industry potentially, but also yourself. And what I didn't realize until I got the product on the shelf, uh, which I eventually did and uh, got it on the shelf at Whole Foods, was that we were not only launching a uh, company and a brand new product, but I realized about two months in that I was actually launching an entirely new category, which as I always share with people is a you know monumental um, experience that it's like launching a company is is like climbing a mountain, but launching a category is equivalent to climbing Everest. I think one of the things that I find very inspiring about you is how you came from a very humble beginnings and pushed yourself into a professional self-discovery and continue to grow yourself and taking risk along the way. As you say, 
in your book on Dante, which we can talk about later and people can find in your, on your website and Amazon as well. Uh, one of the quotes that you share in your life is that fear is not the enemy, comfort is. And it's clear that when people are in positions of leadership, that sometimes it's hard to push through that comfort zone to be, to be a leader, to take initiative, to take risk, to really look back to what Steve Jobs did as a, as a great example of to look beyond what's, uh, what's feasible and really uh, go the limit to pursue your passion and pursue uh, something that's new and has not been done before. So it's great how Hint has become such a powerful brand, something of a, a real go-to for so many millions of people um, and also a healthy product. So it's inspiring to, to see your journey, not just as a company, but also as a brand. Yeah. And, it, you know, I think it's, we all get into this comfort zone, which, you know, whether that is uh, kind of encouraged by money or title or, uh, or habit. And I think it's very sim similar to what large companies do. You get into this process where you just keep doing the same thing over and over and again. And actually, if you're successful as a large company, it's even more dangerous because you don't prioritize innovation. And I think innovation is quite equivalent to individuals taking risks as well and trying to figure Absolutely. out what you do. And I, I think for for me, what I've realized and what I try and encourage not only in, you know, the managers within my company, but also just in, in people that I come across is that, you know, it's part of your journey. And, you know, it's if you choose not to do it. But I, I think what I've seen is that being a lifelong learner is something that I think really helps in happiness as well, because you're learning so much about yourself. And sometimes things seem really hard, but the ability to go figure stuff out. On the topic of education, it's such a different world today where there's huge platforms of continuing knowledge uh, from uh, LinkedIn to GLG and uh, Coursera, Khan Academy, Masterclass. Um, really exciting to have access to all that knowledge. But You've also done it over the years with what you were building in the Kara network and now over other medium, uh, other other media platforms as well. Um, tell us about uh, those activities. Yeah, I you know it's interesting. I don't get to spend as much time on that today. So I actually started my own podcast, uh, the Kara Golden Show, where I try and interview uh, leaders. Um, sometimes founders, sometimes CEOs, sometimes people that just have really interesting stuff to talk about in certain topics. But I feel that so often there are things that are not necessarily written in a textbook or even in a course uh, that people really do want to learn where you're just engaging in conversations and hearing how people think. I think the one thing that I learned in building my company Hint that I talk about in, in my book as well is that I initially thought that people who had lots of experience in my industry were the ones that I needed to kind of, you know, add to my team or, or you know, get advice from. And they actually weren't the people that really helped me to solve my problems because I was doing something totally different and I needed to differentiate myself in ways. So I would start to go to conferences that had interesting topics and interesting speakers that were, 
you know, when I was thinking about direct to consumer, for example, I wasn't looking in the beverage industry because nobody was really doing it. I was showing up at conferences where I would hear, you know, people who had just sort of done it and grown their business that way and tried to figure out what I had and what I didn't have in order to try and build those things. It's really essential to have advisors and mentors that are um, varied, that complement each other, that push you and are not just yes people. And, and of those that you trust as well, I'm sure you've done that over the years. I've seen you re refer to your own mentors and your interviews with the Wall Street Journal and the Driver. And tell us about that. How, how do you think about putting uh, uh, mentorship and, and ideas knowledge around you. Yeah, absolutely. And they're more specific to people that I've just admired for a specific uh, piece, like Porter Gale, for example, who is an incredible marketer who had built uh, Virgin Americas. She was a CMO for Virgin America and the purple lights and sort of the feelings of the consumer and surprise and delight and lots of pieces like that. Or Elaine Rubin, who I knew way back when at 1-800-Flowers. So just people that are you know, really best of class in, in kind of what they do as kind of a, a board that I can, an advisory board that I can call on to say, hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, have you ever encountered somebody who does this type of thing? But again, I think that the, going back to, you know, really the journey and thinking differently is, is really the key to kind of growing a brand that sticks. And I think it's equivalent and so many industries that are out there that, especially if you're building a new category, it really doesn't make sense to go and find people in an industry that know exactly what they're doing because you're doing something totally different. And so you need to find a way um, to really go out and try and test and encourage people to and your team to do the exact same thing. Well, moving on to uh, you and your continuous uh, expansion of uh, entrepreneurial success with your new book, Undaunted. Um, it's uh, recently out on Amazon, has terrific reviews. Um, there's been uh, a great deal of inspiration that people have found from, uh, from your words and from your courage that you're sharing on those pages. Love to hear more about it. Um, and we'd like to be sharing it also with our, uh, our members and, and and the audience as well as we move forward. Yeah, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I never really thought about even starting my own company. I worked, I had the experience in the background, I guess, because I worked for a lot of amazing entrepreneurs, including Steve Case and um, not Steve Jobs, although I wish I would have, but people who had worked for Steve Jobs and, uh, you know, Ted Turner and lots of, you know, people. So I, I didn't even realize I was learning about culture uh, along the way, but I learned a lot about that because those were different environments and things that I learned uh, about that when I ultimately was going to go start my own company. But I was, um, I was traveling a ton in building my company Hint, and oftentimes I would go to these towns and cities that 
were uh, places where I didn't know people. And I got tired, frankly, of turning on the television in my Holiday Inn Express and, you know, and trying to figure out exactly what I was going to do. So I started journaling about a little over four years ago. And I was doing a ton of public speaking, too. And the Q&A at the end, when people are asking you these questions, sometimes, you know, you never really know what people are going to ask you. And so often people would not only ask questions, but make big statements, including you're obviously a fearless risk taker and you've never had failures and you got really lucky. And, you know, and I somewhere along the way, I thought, wow, is that what I seem? So in a way, the book is a manifestation of your journey and how to put those thoughts together for for women and entrepreneurs and friends and many people to understand your own story right so you wanted to, to share that with them and and kind of put it on page and as opposed to just through the company yeah well I didn't even think of it though as a book I like I said I was doing this journal and that's when and kind of almost therapy to myself to sort of answer some of these questions and then all of a sudden I just started answering it in a way in, including when people would say oh you're a fearless risk taker I said no, I, I've actually had a lot of fears and I've had failures and here's one. And people would respond by shooting me an email afterwards or sending me a direct message on LinkedIn. And they'd say, I heard you speak at this conference and you really helped me to know that I'm going to be okay. And here's my business. And I thought, wow, there are so many people that actually need help in you know their own way, maybe I could actually not only help a lot of entrepreneurs, but maybe I can help college students or you know people who have thought about maybe going and starting their own thing, but they don't because they have these walls up in front of themselves to think that they have to be a certain way. So about a year and a half ago, that's when I really started realizing that I could help a lot more people who don't have the opportunity to go to these talks and and they're not at the same conferences. And I thought, gosh, I should just bind these notes. My journal was over 600 pages long. Yeah, it was pretty big. And, and so, of course, the hardest part of once I got a publisher, the hardest part was actually taking it down to a readable format of 200 uh, pages or so. The best thing that I've gotten out of writing the book, which I didn't know that I, I would uh, receive, was that so many people have written to me and have said exactly what I had thought or basically what I had been hearing from people who had heard my talks, which was your book has helped me to realize that I could actually go do something and that maybe I should be a lifelong learner and really think about myself and what do I want to do and, and, and really leading with the word help, So, which 15 years ago when I started Hint – it was the exact same thing where people were saying when they tried Hint for the first time, people were writing to me saying, gosh, Hint has really helped me drink water, has helped me control my type 2 diabetes, has helped me help me. And then this book is the same kind of response. And anytime you can actually do something where you're hearing a community say, you're helping me, that's such a powerful thing. And, and that is really, for me, I think, really the, the kind of the biggest, you know, plus of, of writing this that I've gotten so far.
Well, it's a fantastic book. I've just started reading it and I can't wait to finish it and be even more inspired than I already am. Uh, you've done a great job with this with this book and this story. Um, for our listeners, it's on Audible and Amazon and the Hint website. And uh, please, please go there and, and buy them for yourself and inspiration for your friends as well. Kara, it was a treat to speak with you today. We look forward to staying in touch with you and watching your continued success. Thank you so much. Pulse is a digital collection of personal conversations with respected private company experts. Pulse listeners enjoy enlightening lessons, wisdom, and journeys of interesting people. Pulse is a production of Wisdom Board, a trusted leadership brand dedicated to empowering private companies to achieve excellence in the boardroom. Wisdom Board lives on LinkedIn and online at wisdomboard.co. Please subscribe to our podcast, available on all major channels, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. I am R. Adam Smith, founder of Wisdom Board. Thank you for listening to the Wisdom Board Pulse podcast.